So you might have noticed, uh, well, first of all, good morning. Hi, my name is Michael. I'm one of the pastors here. Very excited to have you with us. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. Before Daryl leaves, I want to, oh, <clears throat> yeah, Daryl uh, made a crack that he'd be the oldest person up here getting, uh, get, getting a scholarship. And then I see uh, Mr. Freeman and some other, Mr. Abdosh standing up here and I'm like, wow, they're going back to school too. And then they're standing in for their children. So yeah, he was the oldest one getting a scholarship. But for those of you that know, so you, that you can, when you see him be more impressed now, um, he wears a t-shirt and Tom's, but he's getting his doctorate of worship. <laughs> well, that's right. So we can call him Dr. Smith, uh, pretty soon. Uh, one of the, one of those doctors, uh, just kidding. We're actually very proud of him. Uh, but what that's going to mean is he's going to be gone for five weeks this summer. So I know, I don't know what I'm going to do without him really, uh, five weeks all summer long with no Daryl. Uh, but you know, we'll have the youth band and they're all right sitting in the front row. It's going to be awesome. No, it'll be, uh, it'll be great. All right. So I just wanted to say that about Daryl cause I know he's still listening somewhere. Uh, we are in the midst of Matthew chapter 15. And if you remember last week, what we talked about was Jesus was hammering the Pharisees about hand washing. It was very, it's a very particular practice that the Pharisees had, uh, that the Jews had for washing the hands before you eat to become ceremonially clean, um, before you would eat something. Uh, and then in all these religious uh, laws having to do with what you could eat, when you could eat it, what you could not eat, all of these different things coming from the book of Leviticus. And Jesus is like hammering the Pharisees about this and he's calling them hypocrites. And and he takes it a step further. This is the continuation of that whole conversation. Uh, then Jesus called to the crowds and said, listen to what I say and try to understand You are not defiled by what you eat. You are defiled by what you say and do. Then the disciples came to him and asked, do you realize you offended the Pharisees by what you just said? Like, Jesus, like, duh. You know, I don't know if, I don't know if they had that in Hebrew. Jesus replied, every plant not planted by my heavenly father will be rooted up. So ignore them. They are blind guides leading the blind. If one blind person guides another, they will both fall into a ditch. Then Peter asked Jesus, Explain what you meant when you said people aren't defiled by what they eat. You see, this is a huge thing for a Jew to understand. You know, we kind of read this and we're like, all right, cool, I'm down with that. But for a Jew who knows the Old Testament, this is huge. Anybody ever thought about throwing out part of your Bible, just taking a part of it and trashing it? You're like, you know what? I don't like this. I'm going to throw this away. Anyone? Really? Because like Chronicles, yeah, thank you. Yeah, like I can't stand Chronicles. I'm like, really, God? Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, you're horrible for thinking that, Ryan. Uh, no, but, uh, but you know, a lot of times, really, I think most of us live our lives in a way that we have thrown out the entire Old Testament. Most of us live our lives because we, in this New Testament Christianity, we believe that the only thing we need to know is in the New Testament, And yeah, that's the story of Jesus and the gospels. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you accepted the gift and life that comes with acknowledging the death and resurrection of Christ, you need to know the gospel stories. Absolutely. But if you don't know the Old Testament, if you ignore the Old Testament, there's no way you will ever know the gospel stories. Because Jesus is just dripping with Old Testament references. He's just, I mean, completely covered up in the Torah 
and the Old Testament and the prophets and the wisdom books and all of these. He's completely quoting these things. Now, his disciples would have known because they would have known the Old Testament. So when he says stuff like uh, just before this, he goes, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce for they replace God's commands with their own. They would have known exactly where he was pulling that from. It wouldn't have to be set apart in scripture with a little asterisk by it. So you can look down at the bottom and go, huh, he got this from Isaiah 29. They would have known already that Isaiah would have been the one that had said that. It would have been there. They would have known. And, and so you hear him say, when, Jesus go, when uh, Peter says, Hey, what did you mean when you threw out the book of Leviticus? Which is kind of what he's asking right there. Explain what you meant when you said people aren't defiled by what they eat. Because, you know, I studied the scripture and in Leviticus, God's kind of picky about that. You know, Deuteronomy, he has some things to say about that. So what do you mean when you say this? And Jesus says, don't you understand? Anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes out the body. But evil words come from an evil heart and defile the person who says them. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all other sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. These are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands could never defile you and make you unacceptable to God. It's a refocusing on what is important about those scriptures. Jesus is saying the Pharisees have taken what God created and made it into something different and are worshiping what they have made, not what God intended, not God. They have made these practices and the practices have become what they worship, not the original reason for the practices to begin with. You see, the Pharisees, I've told this story in here before, but I think it's good to go back to it. Eugene Peterson tells this exclamation explanation of who the Pharisees are and kind of give you a little idea into why Jesus was so hammering them on this right now says, okay, so you have a cabin picture. You have a cabin. And if you're a beach person, picture it on the coast. If you're a mountain person like me, picture it. You're by this beautiful, you're in Estes park. You've gone in, in the dark of night, you've built this incredible cabin illegally in Rocky mountain national park, right by bear Lake. You look out over the lake and then onto these beautiful mountains beyond. And you have this big picture window. You sit this comfy chair there. Every morning you get up and you make your coffee. And you sit down in your chair and you spend the day looking out over God's creation and marveling at the handiwork of the creator. You see the mountains and you see the lake and you see, oh my goodness, there's an eagle. God, you're so amazing. Look, there's an elk and little baby elk running behind it. So beautiful. It's just a, you just marvel every day at the beautiful creation that God has given for you to enjoy and you praise God for it. Thank you, God, for all these things. And then one day you notice a spot on your window. Oh, it's preventing me from experiencing the gift of God. So you get your bucket and you get your squeegee and you run outside and you're standing on the patio and you scrub the spot off. And then you're like, wait a minute, there's a spot over here too. Oh my goodness. When you, when you clean this, I now realize how dirty everything is. And so you begin 
to clean the window. And you get done cleaning the window and you come inside and you sit down in your chair, once again, prepared to be amazed by the beauty of God and what happens. Your focus goes from out here where God is to right here at the window. And you begin to only notice the smudges and the spots and the blemishes on the window. And so your entire life is now spent instead of immersed in the beauty of God through this practice of cleaning your window. You go through all these practices, all these rituals so that you can see God. But then you never look at God because you're so bogged down by the practices and rituals and the tedium that your life has become. These are religious practices. They were intended for us to experience the beauty and the creation of God. But because we are who we are, we make them into something else completely. We make them into the worship itself. We worship the practice instead of worshiping the God that we created the practice for. All of these rules and regulations were set up so that people can more easily access God and experience this wealth of beauty and creation that God is. But the Pharisees put so many binders on it that people began to be bound by these regulations and practices. And so they were prevented from experiencing God because of these things. And so Jesus is hearkening back and he's going, look, it's not what you eat that defiles you. It is who you are. It's what's inside of you. It's your intent. Why do you do what you do? Why are you the person that you appear to be? And I use that word appear purposefully. Because I think all of us have masks. All of us have identities. We are someone in this group of people and we are someone else in this group of people. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, I just can't be myself around them. Why not? You don't like who God created you. Why can't you be who you are? Why do you think you have to put on some sort of persona? Why do you feel like you have to be your absolute best behavior when you come to church? Why do you feel like you have to dress up nicely when you come to church? Why do you feel like you have to think everything's going just hunky-dory when you come to church on Sunday morning? Why can't you be broken? Why can't you come in disheveled? Why can't you come in living your life the way you're living your life and experience God meeting with you the way you are. Why do we have to go through these practices, these motions that become the items and objects of worship rather than the access? I grew up in the Episcopal Church and I was very, I'm very well versed in liturgy. I know what the priest would say. I knew what he would say when he would say it. I could go through the cantations and in the Episcopal Church a lot of times they sing different parts, the priests. And, and, and I knew those parts very well. In fact, you put me in an Episcopal Church today and hearing it one time, I could then lead it. It would all come back to me, this rote sense. And so there are times in my, in my life when I would not consider myself a liturgical person by any stretch of the imagination that I really am comforted my liturgy. It brings back to mind this, this familiarity with God that I miss sometimes in this contemporary setting. 
It brings to mind sometimes a relationship I had as a child with God. And so for me, it reconnects me at times. Now, I don't want to live there because I think God's taking me different places. But I think sometimes those liturgical practices can open me up to a side of God that I've been missing for a while. And I use them. I allow them to take me to a place of worship that I don't get other places. I also enjoy worshiping here. In fact, I would say more so do I enjoy worshiping here. I love to come in and I love to hear you singing. And a lot of times I will just stop singing and hear the voices coming forward of praise and worship. And it just blows my mind to hear the voice of the body of Christ worshiping God. I love that. I love those moments when I just get to lose myself in the presence of God. Doesn't happen every Sunday because some Sundays y'all aren't very good. But a lot of Sundays. It does. My worship depends on you, is what I'm saying. You ever have a Sunday, though, you come in and you're just going through the motions? You ever have a day in your life when you're just going through? You're not attached. I got to say, at the first service, I said something along these lines in a completely different way. But I was thinking about it earlier. I think that's okay. I think some days God understands that you come in and, and you're just honoring God to be here. God, I'm coming to worship because I'm coming to worship. But <laughs> I got to tell you, I, I'm just going through the motions today. That's different than coming to worship on a regular basis because that's what you do in our community. Coming to worship and even putting your hands up because you want to be seen as that guy that puts his hands in the air. That volunteers for Sunday school teaching and goes and teaches Sunday school and and leads a prayer group and is a leader of a small group and, and comes in and knows the pastor and tells people he knows the pastor. But all along, inside of who they are, they are not connected to God at all. There are people that come to churches all over our country every Sunday that don't have a relationship with Jesus, that don't understand that term. Relationship with Jesus, what does that mean? I come to church, I do good things, so? So do Muslims, so do Buddhists, so do atheists. You can come to church on a Sunday-by-Sunday basis and do great things. Thomas Aquinas says, man sees the deed. God sees the intent. God is more concerned with why you do what you do rather than what you do. He's more concerned with your heart. In Matthew chapter 5, the Beatitudes, Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the pure in heart. It's about here, your heart. What is inside of you? What is your motivation? Now, look, I can stand up here and say, hi, my name's Michael and I'm a sinner. Because I am every day. Every day I am a fallen individual. I fall short of the glory of God. There is a path laid before me that God wants me to be on to bring the kingdom now. And every day I fall off of it. Sometimes (laughs) I don't even get out of my house. 
and I've already done it. But I want to get back on that path. I want what comes out of my mouth, what happens from my hands and my feet to reflect God's glory. I don't want to go through religious motions for the sake of going through religious motions. I don't want to be in some practice of worship that means nothing to me, that is a cold, sterile environment. There will be days when I come in and I'm broken and I'm worshiping. And I sing songs like, you make all things work together for my good. And in my mind, I'm singing this, but in my mind, I'm like, no, you don't. Anybody ever had one of those days? We've kind of had a weekend of it around our house. God's okay with anger. God's okay when you're broken and you don't understand and you're hurt and you're down and you sing those songs. You make all things work together for my good. God, I don't understand that. But I'm not going to disconnect myself. I'm not just going to wash my hands and eat a meal and say I'm okay with God because that's not what God wants. God wants us to be in there. God doesn't want us to go through some religious practice and go, okay, I've checked God off for the week. You know how many times I hear people say, and you might have been the one that's, by the way, I'm not looking at any of you during this sermon as much as I'm looking at myself. How many times people go, I like to come on Sundays because that feeds me for the week. Like that's the only time you eat. That's the only time you get something from God is on Sunday morning. Oh my goodness. Lord help you. Because Dr. Smith and I can't carry you through the week. I love Ortberg when he says, it's time for you to take the bib off, get out of the high chair and feed yourself. I love that quote. It doesn't just happen on Sunday when you go through these religious practices of our day. It is every moment of your life that God wants you to be a part with him. Be who God wanted you to be. You can't be the man or woman that God is creating you into if you only connect with God for one hour a week. You can't do it. You can't be a major league baseball player if you don't put years of effort into it. You can't be a doctor unless you spend years of study. But here's the thing. You won't be Peter day one. You're not going to be a Paul day one. You're not going to be a Phoebe day one. You're not going to have the wisdom of August day one. You're not going to be the best parent of the world the day you bring your baby home from the hospital because you have no idea what you're doing. It takes years to build into the mom or dad. It takes years to become the disciple who follows Jesus completely. So what am I saying? If you fall off the path, it's okay. Even Peter did it. But keep getting back in there. Going through religious motions and practices is a wonderful, wonderful way to connect with God. 
wonderful way to experience the grace and love of God. But if that's all you do, and if you begin to see that as a worship in and of itself, break it. Begin to connect with him. And be the person he wants you to be. Let us pray. Gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that even in the midst of our struggles of life, you are there. Even in those moments where we disconnect from you, you do not from us. God, I pray that you would help all of us to take a serious look as to who we are and why we worship you. And where we are with you. That we would give our life to you, God. Completely, fully. Not just one hour a week but every moment of every day would be given to you. God, I pray that you would help us to break the things that are binding us. Some sort of worldly presence, some sort of religious or churchy presence that is keeping us from experiencing you fully. Help us to break those and to throw ourselves into your arms. God, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.